In this episode, we're going to follow the path of one of our students as he shares the lessons he learned through his first home buying journey, right up to the hair raising auction. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're sharing James's first home buyer story with you as he was kind enough to document it for us so that you can share in the lessons that he has learned along the way. But before we get into that, what's your special house this week, Megan? Check this out. This is like, it's both exciting and frightening at the same time. So this is a company in the UK called H2 Ohms. And if you can see there we're underwater right now and what they are trying to create is an underwater community and it will cost you 10 million pounds to have one of these homes built in this community underwater i love the idea i scuba dive i love the idea of being underwater but i think this would just take it too far for me you definitely can't step outside you know for a breath of fresh air i don't think there's a terrace included in this one (laughs) So you know how like in some houses there's an aquarium? So if anyone's not actually watching this on YouTube, you the behind Megan is like a it's like a reversed aquarium. It's like the ocean the fish has, are watching you. Yeah, has some people in, in an aquarium or whatever the, the terrarium. <laughs> the home is a terrarium in the in the ocean. It's Nice sort of in the idea of it, but I think I'd get very claustrophobic very quickly in there. I'd be freaked out about a crack in the glass. And honestly, you know, I I don't mind some curtains on my bedroom. I don't imagine you'd get any. So if there were any scuba divers down there, you might have fright in the morning. (laughs) I can just be be octopus sort of sucked on. You're stuck onto your your window or something. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, let's get on with today's episode. You want to start us off, Megan? Yeah. Look, James's journey starts back in 2017 and and James has not asked us to protect his name or innocence in any way. way, But we have. We've taken out some incriminating. There's nothing incriminating. But, but, you know, he's been really, really open and raw with the information that he shared because, like us, 
it's actually the experience of other people that helps you not make the mistakes that we have made. And if you listen to our six things we wish we'd known before we bought our first time, you'd know some of the mistakes we made. Um, but James wanted to share this because this is this is some really valuable stuff that as a first-time buyer or a first-time rent vester, first home buyer in Australia, these are the sorts of things that you can really benefit from, which is learning from other people's mistakes. So it starts back in 2017 when after five years working on a university, he almost bought a unit as an investment. Now, he was planning on taking time out of his career to work in a leadership role with an NGO, a non-government organisation, fighting against climate change, and he really knew it would be quite some time until he'd be in a position to buy again. So working full-time, going into a not-for-profit sort of space. Um, So big decision to make and really looking forward to in his future about what he'd do. But after looking at some of the oversupply um, issues with units about to flood the market back then in 2017, he decided it wouldn't be worth it. And as it turns out, because he's in Sydney as well, spot on in terms of yeah, reading the market, well like absolute research, top marks, <laughs> massive mm. bullet dodge. And, and actually there's a bit of information coming uh, a little later that will explain even the size of that bullet mm. that was dodged. <laughs> he read the market really well because 2017 actually was the peak of the market in Sydney as well. And, and there are quite a lot of people that overpaid at that time, particularly for on the, you know, off plan properties and brand new Mm. properties massively overpaid because it was such a hot market um, until really June, July. It's really the peak of the market that year. Mm. So, yeah, he would have had a really different experience had he bought that, but also he read the writing on the wall, not know so much about the market. I think that was maybe luck and timing, but the fact that he saw the oversupply and, and thought, you know, logically that that can't be good. So I was yeah. pretty impressed but it, with it, that. But it also wasn't just media sentiment that he was following or it wasn't, you know, someone that spoke to him at the water cooler. It wasn't a barbecue conversation. He actually did some due diligence and some research into what is actually happening with supply. And, of course, we know, and you would know from listening to the podcast, supply and demand are the two main factors as well as the supply of money and the, the cost of money. They're the two main factors in property that affect when a property is going to potentially have some growth opportunities or potentially have some some negative growth opportunities. So full marks there. Absolutely. So, and then he sort of went into the next few years, which is quite a difference because he, I guess what his explanation, and from now we'll read it in the first person as in James's first person, um, because it does, it does point to an example of sometimes there are more important things in life than buying property. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a passion. So, so he's leading into saying, I'm passionate about Australia doing our fair share on climate change. So am I. So I'm sure you are too, Megan. And as the world's third largest export of coal and gas, I knew we needed to set, to do more to set up our economy for the future rather than profiting off wrecking the climate and when an opportunity to take a state leadership role in the environmental NGO that he was volunteering for, I'm doing third third party and Mm -hmm. first party here, I'm doing a terrible job of reading it, I was volunteering for in James, um, he took it, right? So it was a wild adventure that has changed my life for the better. I supported myself with my savings from the first deposit. So he then used that deposit (laughs) to actually fund his passion um, mm. and philanthropic work. Uh, and, and we're not talking of- about global trotting here and travel and, you know, spending the money that he'd worked hard to collect on on some, some personal journeys. Mm. We're, we're talking about some 
absolutely groundbreaking work that he was doing to to help the environment. Yeah, and really make a difference. So it's all in all a rather expensive undertaking. Now, (laughs) fast forward to the pandemic forcing a stop to my community organising, including an event for a 1,000 plus people that was cancelled. I decided it was the sign I needed to rebalance my passions with my engineering income. I've been observing the property market on the real estate apps, always a pastime of mine, often the case. Yeah, I decided the tragic. Pan- yes. <laughs> I decided the pandemic lull would be a great time to buy with less pressure in a slow market. And it was. I set out to buy a house in the area just south of Parramatta. I wanted a house for the direct land value increase and a walk to work. Conveniently, there were some blocks small enough that were still selling for around the magic number, which is his first home buyer stamp duty exemption cap in New South Wales of 650000 Yeah, look, there's no doubt that that lull actually, no one could have anticipated what happened after that pandemic mm. lull, could they, Veronica? I mean, no. we have, we've been interviewed, we've interviewed people, we have pulled it apart, put it back together again. Realistically, some people could say, look, oh, the market's going to fly, but they had no basis for it. There was, there was nothing that would tell us so quickly after that initial lockdown that things were, were going to, to go the way they did. But he was actually proven right in terms of timing and in, in terms of buying during that lull. Um, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that's really hard is when you look back and say, I wish I had, and there are so many people who didn't buy at certain points in time who say, I wish I had bought when, or if only I had, and you can't look back, you can only look forward, but you know, that was just a good piece of timing on his behalf. What was it research? No, it was just a number of factors that kind of came together, but what did he do? He put on a hat that said, I can do this now and I will move forward. It didn't quite work out as neatly as you might think, but honestly, (laughs) (laughs) he was spot on with that. And also I think he was thinking about land content as well. Mm. And that's an important thing to, uh, to consider as well as we talk about scarcity and supply and those sorts of things. Um, Although, you know, and he didn't end up doing this, but of course the limiting thinking around trying to stay under a threshold or a stamp duty threshold could have been um, damaging in the long, you know, could have been quite limiting Mm. in the long term if he bought an undersized block of land compared to the rest of the market. But Mm. his story doesn't end here, so we'll continue. All right. So I'll I'll, I'll read on with James. (laughs) I won't try and do an accent because I'm terrible. But I... (laughs) Nor does James have an accent, so I <laughs> that we can't know of. sound male. <laughs> um, I'd not rated my experience with my broker in 2017, so I decided to approach the bank directly to get a de- better deal, or so I thought. I received pre-approval in November 2020, just in time for an increasingly rare, small, 250-metre-square block. Three-bed, double-brick cottage in Granville with an auction guide of $650,000. Now, my bank promptly told me after pre-approval that I would not be able to borrow more than 80%, so an LVR loan-to-value ratio of 80%, after which I sped through the hoops of my second bank, received the pre-approval in a week, only for them to tell me a couple of days later, that's two days before the auction, that the LMI insurer would not back the loan. So we're into interesting territory here. They wanted me to be in my job for 12 months. The bank rang me uh, and the bank rang me with egg on both of our faces. Ugh. 
Ouch. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. The house sold for six fifty. Wow, inside right the price guide, Monica. Which is very unusual. Uh, unusual <laughs> in New South Wales. Um, and since then, similar houses two doors down have sold for, uh, a similar house two doors down sold for 731 in March. Interesting. Yeah, so I think what this does, you know, if anyone is listening to this has done our Your First Home Buyer Guide course, right? The pay system, it starts with preparation. The very first module out of 10 modules, you've got to get right in the right order. The first one is assembling your support crew and the broker um, or the bank or whoever you choose Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. guide you through the lending process or the borrowing process is one of those people. Who's going to finance you? Mm. Yes. Where's the money coming from? The advice that you're getting from them. And how reliable it is. And and I guess one of the reasons that we both uh, encourage and recommend people use a broker rather than deal with banks has certainly, well, a couple of the reasons actually have played out in James's experience mm. here. Mm. So You don't know what you don't know, Veronica, and I mm. think that's, you know, it's always been the basis of why we created the course. And that is I, I can go to a bank and I can negotiate some sort of deal and, and you know, provide all that information and try and get the interest rate down and all those sorts of things. But I don't know the, in, I'm in the property industry. I don't know the ins and outs of what the bank's policies are at any time and they change constantly. I don't know the difference between each bank's mm. um, uh, approach to how much money you need as a deposit, how much LMI they use, different LMI providers. Um, so I don't know those things at an intricate level. It's it's kind of like, um, I don't know, going to uh going to a broker and asking, well, which house should I buy? Like it's not <laughs> my lane. And and unless you're prepared to put in absolutely huge amount of research and go to multiple banks and understand policies and all those sorts of things, but you're still only going to get retail rates. You're never going to get the rates that a good broker is going to get. But the advice that they should give you in terms of borrowing strategy is is over and above what a bank is going to give you in terms of an interest rate and how much their annual fees are going to be. So there's an awful lot there that a broker has built up in terms of knowledge, interpretation, information, access to products that us as as individuals who are experts in our own fields, you know, engineering was James's field, um, very well researched, I'd imagine very detail oriented, yes. but does he have the time to go all, to all the banks and understand all the intricacies? Mm. I think what he's, he found out is he probably didn't. Yeah. Now, I think too, we, we need to sort of um, note that he wasn't that impressed by the first broker. And just because mm. we recommend brokers doesn't mean that all brokers are good. Yeah. It doesn't mean all brokers are going to give you this advice. Um, and so being aware of what a good broker can do for you is going to help you choose a broker because you'll know, yeah. well, you'll start, your ears will start pricking up and think, this broker doesn't seem to be talking about this stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, so and we yes. talk about the sort of questions in the course in, in your first home buyer guide. We talk about the sorts of questions that you should ask a broker to really test their knowledge and 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 the sorts of things that you can ask them and and the information that they provide you and and say well he does have it or she does have a depth of experience here and oh they're asking me further questions on that I hadn't thought about that that's great they're actually digging in further to get me to understand me better to get me the best opportunity for for what I'm trying to achieve so there, there, there are ways and different brokers will either 
you know, it's like real estate agents. Some will just go for the deal and some want to understand the seller and 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 do the best job for them, remembering that the real estate agent works for the seller. Or buyer's agents, you know, there are buyer's agents that are just going to go, yep, I can buy you that. And there are some that are going to go, you know what, what minute. you're looking for is <laughs> not right. <laughs> We need exactly. to have a deeper discussion before we decide that we're going to work together. So it's in every industry, but um, with, with brokers, you know, they're, they're, the information they can get from the banks is really quite valuable. So poor old James, he's had to sit on the sidelines and watch this one go, you know, supposedly within his um, within his range. Interestingly enough that it sold for six fifty, given that they were guiding at six fifty, and I mm. would suspect that that's probably because there's a lot of other first-home buyers all trying to say or thinking I can't spend a, yeah I can't spend a dollar does more. that mean it was worth that Veronica mm, I mean we talk about maybe that not. a lot don't we just because and and maybe that was how it was pitched like everybody competing up to the limit they knew that people weren't going to break the limit because that's where the the artificial mm. limit had been put but was it worth 580 yeah although the time. in March 731. Mind mm. you, everything's gone up in that period of time. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it was a great property or a great investment, but yeah, mm. literally everything. Okay. So on with the story. A bit defeated, I convinced myself that I needed to adjust my property expectations. In the new year, that's 2021 now, my online searching led me to explore new apartments. Well, here we are again in the area as well as, sorry, as the upward march on houses in the area and lending restrictions on LVR left me thinking I just did not have a shot at land anymore. I almost bought a new two-bedroom apartment on the top floor, north facing, at least that's something, I guess. That's a positive. Yes. Two, two ticks there. Yeah, of a 45-unit block, which, you not know, a there's tick. a lot of bigger ones out there, so <laughs> I guess that's not too bad. Um, overlooking the brand-new community centre, including pool, library, park, et cetera, that would also mean I would not be built out. So he's thinking. A couple of ticks there. Yeah, he's yeah. quite well. Yep. It was 570000 and I thought, hey, if I buy this and pay it off quick, I'll go for the house when I know where I want it for the longer term. My partner, who wasn't buying with him but planning to live with him, uh, also loves the idea of units for convenience of less, um, less work and proximity to trains and shops. I was mulling over this during my due diligence and mm. some of that did not stack up. Smart fellow, this James. Mm. And here we go, your material, that's in our material, on chasing grants and warning of the slow capital growth on new units um, helped empower him to critically review the advice that he was receiving, his own misconceptions, and make an informed decision. So we're going to give you a massive badge for that. Um, (laughs) You don't know what you don't know. And when you do, you can start thinking critically. Well, this is the thing, and he's a smart fellow, and he's mm. he's got great observations anyway, and and so it's all starting to slot into place. I guess when he starts getting some some um, some evidence and some expert uh, advice around that, because let's yeah. face it, with with property, everyone's got an opinion. Absolutely, and 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 some of it may be relevant, but a mm. lot of it may not be, and it's it's hard to to work through those two different and and often competing things. You know, just because someone bought a property, sometimes they want to support their own method and their own strategy by encouraging other people to follow mm. it because that you know that that's almost like a confirmation of that I did the right thing <laughs> yes. you've got to be really careful about that but Veronica the really interesting thing about this and what I got a little bit excited about was it, James is starting to think about you know a stepping stone type tr- strategy and and it's something that we talk about isn't it 
That's exactly right. So what he's basically saying is, look, I can't afford, you know, the house now. So therefore, what can I afford now that will actually help me get to that house Mm. when I want to get there? And so that's exactly what the stepping stone strategy is. And that's why we have the $39 tutorial. So you're thinking this way and you know that Mm. you can't buy your forever home straight up. Well, let's face it, you can. It's really important to understand the fundamentals and foundational um, concepts around how to choose a property that's mm. going to do that heavy lifting for you mm. to get you to where you want to be faster. So, so absolutely, that's where James is going here. And now he did do the Stepping Stone um, tutorial workshop as well, which is, mm. in fact, I think he was part of the live group. So we he every might time have been we part of the tutorial, yeah. yeah. Every time we do a, a new, we launch a new tutorial, we start off with a live workshop. So I encourage you, next time we announce one, peeps, if you're interested in this, you should jump on board because we only do them live once now. Now, of course, he didn't buy that one, thank goodness, um, despite wanting <laughs> <Yes>. to. <laughs> he wanted to end <laughs> the long days and nights filled with property searching, serial overanalyst and worry here. <laughs> and so many buyers do at that point just give up and give in and they yeah, just go, oh, bugger it, I'll just do it. Mm. It's easy, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, he yeah. did not scuttle his chances of a future home. With some reflection, it was making more sense than his siblings' brand-new unit purchases were f- that sorry, that they were folly too. And get this, this is a real, uh, this is a real affirmation of his journey. This is just gold. Go. Just gold. You can release the information. I'm going to, these are his words. The unit I almost bought in 2017 was resold at a $40,000 loss on the price that I was about to pay. Whoa. $40,000 loss yeah in a rising active seller's market yep and this is what people don't talk about enough Mm. they don't talk about enough that you can lose my people there are people in this current boom who are selling their properties at a loss and this is not discussed enough but it it happens and so this is a very very live example of what he would have paid and what it sold for only four years down the track it would have got him nowhere and he would have basically Plus your costs on that well yeah yeah opportunity cost stamp well probably didn't wouldn't have paid stamp duty because brand new and off the plan and you know and this is lovely you get all this free money from the government but whoever bought it still lost money the incentives all mm. of those sorts of things that there's there's nothing there that you've actually made even once you add those back into the equation so think about this imagine if he had bought that and then taken his his few years off to go and do the work with the ngo so mm. he would have then re-entered the workforce with a debt rather than with the challenge of just saving a new deposit yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, he wouldn't have had the money to be able to go and work for the NGO So, because he lived off the savings. Yes. Mm. Oh, so many things. So, so he would have been worse so, off. So, worse off depth in this case study. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Because the thing is that very <laughs> rarely do we... It's not simple. I guess this no. is the thing that is really coming to, to mind for me, the complexity. It is not as simple as just walking out and going, well, I can get a grant there, I can save stamp duty there, I like that. I'm going to buy it. It is just not that simple. It's not insurmountable, but it's just not simple. Now he's Therese still mm. he's still tempted by new developments, though, because <laughs> it, let's face it: when you're finding it difficult, 
then they there's a massive allure there, right? Because A, the government's making it easier for you by throwing money at you, but also it seems easy, right? When you're finding your yeah. property search hard, I can understand why you go, yeah. okay. Yeah. So he found a new nearby development by a reputable high-profile builder and the broker there suggested that he could borrow 90% with ANZ. So he was back to finding a broker. So he's away. F- I noticed he didn't go with that broker. Oh, that's and interesting. He- so there might seem to have been a broker associated with the development, yes. which is, you know, one of those those really important things to separate um, mm. You know, not everyone shouldn't be in bed together when you're when you're talking about buying a property. There, there should be you know strong recommendations, but they should be very quite independent from each other. That's exactly right. So it's you know we talk about people staying in their lane. You know, mm. so it's like if everyone's if they're actually swimming in each other's lanes or they're holding hands while they're trying to swim, <laughs> not going as far. <laughs> <laughs> That's really pushing that metaphor a bit, isn't it? All right. So he asked his solicitor for recommendations, question mark, bad idea. Not necessarily, um, but he found himself taking adv- advice from the recommended broker to cool his jets and save a bit more deposits. So this That's interesting. Guy- so so we've got a deposit <laughs> saved. He's he's interested in a property. He's going to the right place, which is, you know, someone in their lane, the broker who he's going to to find the best lending opportunity and the best mortgage strategy, lending strategy. So so this is this is really interesting. So back in 2017, the first broker didn't inspire him with confidence. Bank one and two got him nowhere because that was a bit of a, a, a difficult thing. You know, yes, you're right, but no, you need more money. Yes, you're right. No, you're not. You know, it was a bit <laughs> of a, uh, uh, am I in, am I in, out, and boom, no auction. Thank you. Broker 2 seems like they worked alongside the developer's sales team. So there's a massive motivation there to find a lender so he can close a deal and possibly and probably some sort of referral commission back to the sales agent who was involved and possibly the developer. So there could have been Mm -hmm. all sorts of money going in all sorts of directions there. Holding hands while swimming. (laughs) That's a good one. Let's put that in there. Um, Broker 3 gave him advice to save longer. Wow, but this story isn't over yet. (laughs) He goes on to say, my house dream, still alive. I let go of my gut feeling to keep going, which was difficult in February as all signs on the ground were that things were about to explode. And he was right. I took it on the idea that my savings of over $2,000 a fortnight was solid. I'd be beating the market. But oh, how wrong I was, he says. Uh, so March figures came through and I could not believe the speed of growth underway. It was then I realised I probably had a better idea than the broker of what was going on. Well done because you're taking a pragmatic approach, Yeah, uh, which is really great. I kept up with him. I um, saved hard. The broker was pushing Combank over ANZ and the others. I decided to sell my van a.k.a. home whilst on the career break. (laughs) I'd love to see a photo. Maybe that's a background for another day. Uh, To add to my deposit and try to beat the the price rises. And that made me question, did I need a car? Wow, there's a lot going on here. There's an incredible (laughs) journey going on here. Isn't it great? Yeah, I love it. This all um, had also risen in value because of COVID. And that is the thing at the moment, isn't it? The second-hand car market is just through the roof. It's just because you can't buy a new car. I'm trying to buy a new car at the moment and it's 
February, I think, is a delivery. Um, but the resale of my, my secondhand car is phenomenal, just unbelievable. Um, so what he was saying was, you know, the car price, the value of the car, what he would get for the car had risen in value. So, you know, when he could buy something more modest, maybe that was a good option for him. What dedication. I mean, by now he's so committed to the cause. He's doing everything he's to really make this thing happen, yes. including <laughs> moving on to broker number three five. or five or uh, four or whatever, another broker anyway. But he found another broker. broker four. Broker four. Yeah, there <laughs> he we go. says, I found another broker because I definitely was not waiting 20-plus days for a comeback approval nor the 900K limit the last broker suggested would be applied to my income. And we turned around conditional in seven business days. So here's a good example of using a different broker, obviously with a yeah. different approach. Mm. Since submitting the application, I found the courage to part with $750 for the beta course. That's actually our beta course, um, which... I'm, oh, yes, okay, so, and sped through it. <laughs> he did our course at super fast, super fast. This um, man to, knows what he's doing. He, he commits, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, to try to commit, fill any gaps that he had. Uh, well worth the purchase for the confidence he's given me to commit to buying, which we're, we're thrilled to hear. But then he had to review what he was actually looking to buy. We do so this turn some yet people's over. ideas upside down, don't we? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so after the stepping stone workshop we were talking about earlier, I, I realised that I could be more flexible on position and property to achieve better returns if I was not sure and sticking to the places I can buy now. Then so what that meant was that he then spread himself too thin. Mm. He says, after two to three weeks of an increased search area, it left me strung out too thin. Um, I was finding potential A-grade two-bedroom apartments in the inner ring, but I guess I can't reconcile purchasing there and found myself in the last two weeks stretching the budget further over a million dollars for a house around where he works. And so he got his latest pre-approval and he went to an online auction and he was hoping that that would be the one. And drum roll. Drum roll. Thank you sent, for giving <laughs> yeah, send us a message, which Megan's going to read to you. <laughs> Here it is. All right. So you've all been waiting with bated breath to see what happened. This has been an incredible roller coaster of a journey for James. Thank you for giving me the information for the confidence to buy wisely. I won an auction but broke a rule to do so. As soon as I have the feedback from the bank and the reconfirm uh, and reconfirm my loan, then yes, I will be celebrating. So he had stress right through to the last minute and beyond. Now, buying at auction, I think it's important to note that buying at auction is hard for many, many, many reasons, but mm. not the least being that the banks won't give you unconditional loan approval before the auction. Mm -hmm. So there's always a risk, even if small, that the valuation will come in low. So often, yep. you know, you do hold your breath until mm. that that has come in and then Absolutely. the bank says, okay, it's unconditional. Yeah, because let, let's just explain that really, really briefly. We've done lots of podcasts and information around this. There's a lot in the course. When the bank gives you pre-approval, what they're approving is you as the borrower. 
you, your capacity to repay, your your finances and so forth. The second part of the approval is, which is the unconditional part, is to approve the security, which is the property that you buy. And they value that to make sure that you haven't overpaid and your loan to value ratio, your LVR, is, is in line with their policies. So even if you buy at auction, the bank will still have to approve the property um, and the price that you paid for it. Now, obviously, the more money you have to put towards purchase, the less risk there is for the bank. So if you're only borrowing, you know, if you're only putting up 10% as a deposit, for instance, the bank's going to be a little bit more titchy on the valuation than Mm. they would be if you had 30% deposit. So, and that's the reason, because we already knew he was selling a bit close to the wind in terms of his ability to (laughs) outsave the market. But this is such a great story. It's, and let's I rem- love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's remember that James is an engineer and so he's actually left us with a summary of his big takeaway. So we'll take Thank you, you through James. them. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take you through them very quickly. In order. So, in order, right? An and, engineer. in fact, <laughs> hit him with the first one, Megan. Okay, the order. I almost bought three places with not much idea on how I was meant to do it. Until I got your system down, I may have kept at 421834 repeat for too long. Now, you won't understand <laughs> what that means, but there are 10 steps in the, the, the PACE system in, 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 uh, in, in the process of, of purchasing. So PACE, preparation, action, commitment, execution, but there are 10 steps within those, those, um, those phase, that phase. So... You, you uh, actually online. If you go to our website and we'll put a link, you, you can see the actual ten steps within the process, and you'll you will understand four two one eight three four is the total incorrect way to buy a property. <laughs> it's voluntarily getting the steps in the wrong order. I love now, it. <laughs> his next takeaway: I was and perhaps still am obsessed with step four, right? Which is. <laughs> Action, search and inspect. That is step four, right? Your steps made me stop, keep it getting one and two right before I would spend too much time on the app searching for places I was not ready to buy, wasting time, not getting ready. So that's an amazing takeaway. Such a big takeaway because for people who do like property and there are lots and lots of people that love, love, love looking at property, getting on the apps, having a look at the pictures, looking at all those sorts of things, going to inspections, that is a really, really fun process for a lot of people. For a lot of people, it's not, and and that's totally okay. But for a lot of people, that's the fun, sexy bit. And, Mm. And I guess what we're trying to do and what James's takeaway was is there is so much you need to do and review and keep getting right before you actually get to that point because you can get yourself so far off track. So fabulous observation. His next observation is one of our property principles, and that is easy to buy, hard to sell. (laughs) (laughs) So he's been able to observe that throughout the process. And and I I guess that unit that he looked at that he saw the resale of down the track, that was a really good example of that. That could have been really easy for him to buy, like Mm -hmm. really easy. Yeah. Um, to buy, but obviously it was hard to sell. And that's indicated by a, a, a loss, a price loss or a cost loss, even in a rising market. Uh, so that principle of easy to buy, hard to sell, if it's a really strong, fast moving market, but you can buy something really easily for a price that you think's a bargain, then when it comes time to sell, there's probably some objections, some issues, some things that can't be overcome that other people are going to look at and say, I don't want that. There's something better for me. Yep. 
and they do. When the market mm. turns, they do. Mm. Next takeaway, the questions for agents and support crew have been very helpful, knowing about each role and sticking to what I should and shouldn't be saying or asking. And that's, mm. you know, back to how many brokers he was dealing with. <laughs> that would definitely Once he got the questions helpful. right, he was okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> The next takeaway, I've kept my solicitor and current broker but are having better conversations with them. Yeah, that's good because that, yeah, that depth of relationship, yeah, you know what, you're not going to have a deep relationship with your solicitor. You, you, you're a transaction in a way to them. You're a conveyance transaction. But if you're asking the right questions, you're going to get the right answers um, and, and that's a really, really good thing for solicitors because they can give you information if you know what to ask. So I think that's such a, and even and from a broker's perspective, that ongoing relationship that you might build with them over time, particularly with James's idea of having the stepping stone strategy, this is not the only property he's going to buy. So, so having those ongoing conversations with brokers, keeping up to, to date and, and, and seeing if there's any changes, then he, he'll know when he's in the position to do the next step. Now, James went through the modules quick because he was intending to buy on the weekend of the 26th of June, which in Sydney actually was the weekend we went into lockdown. Mm. But um, as he was doing this, he found three things. The first, he was not able to afford the A-grade overperforming flying houses around work. Unfortunately, the market had already left him behind there. He was then keen on following his father's footsteps who he calls a jack-of-all-trades, in buying to renovate only to realise that this doesn't suit him right now. Fabulous. That's great personal mm. perspective, isn't it? You know, that that's so important. How many people buy a renovator and then realise they haven't got the skills all the time? Uh, so, so well done on that. And then finally, after doing the Stepping Stone workshop, which of course now is a tutorial, he identified the strategy he thought he was enacting was definitely not aligning with what he actually needed to succeed. So what a great, wow, great piece of self-reflection. So James, first of all, congratulations. Congratulations. Second of all, thank you, because this is such an amazing breakdown um, of, you know, really thoughtful and really going through it step by step and allowing us to share it as well um, has been, you know, it's been an absolute thrill for us because this is what it's all about, you know, and Absolutely. now we can share it with others as well so that they can learn from your your experiences, not all of them mistakes, a lot of them, really, you know, very savvy actually. Mm. Um, and we're just really, very, really delighted for you. Actually, really, really proud as well. <laughs> I know we talk about, I feel like a proud mother every time one of our, <laughs> our members actually purchases, but it's, it is, it's, it's quite, a, quite a proud moment. And we've had so many more coming through um, and, and really, really good to see. So I, I guess what we hope from the podcast and from your listening is you might have some aha moments where you think, oh, that, we've just been through that. That's what happened to us. And, and that's the idea of sharing knowledge and experience and backgrounds. And James isn't trying to tell anyone else how to do, how to buy property. That's not what his intention is. And it's not what the intention of the podcast is. It's actually to say, are there things that you're doing that maybe need to be tweaked and changed so that you can do it better? And I think the sharing of that information by James is just incredibly invaluable. And, and thank you. 
In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.